Well, I just invited the bells and I'm not sure if I was unmuted or not for people to hear them. Um, so I will invite one more just in case. So welcome back everyone. Uh, it's wonderful to see you again, or should I say see you again. I feel very connected to all of you in this giant meditation hall, which is comprised of all our living rooms, bedrooms, or wherever we are. So we'll start out this morning with a song. Uh, Zan will sing, and you're welcome to enjoy breathing or singing with her, though you will be muted. She's going to sing uh, In, Out, Deep, Slow. In, Out, Deep, slow, calm, easy, smile, release, present, moment, wonderful, moment, in Deep, slow, calm, ease, smile, release, present moment, wonderful moment. Thank you, Zan. This will be the third and the last of the Dharma talks for the spring retreat. Uh, once again, I'll offer a reminder that we can offer gratitude and support to our teacher, Michael, with our generosity. And if you're having trouble accessing that on the, uh, through the links, uh, Michael's website is truemiddleway.org, and you can go there directly. So, Michael, thank you for grounding us. Um, 
with mindfulness in this really chaotic time. Um, I appreciate that you're here with us and please continue your teaching talks. is the moment of sound check. I uh, just want to see if this is working at least as well as it was yesterday. Um, is there a way you could verify with fingers or, oh no, it's not so good, huh? Is it distant? can hear it, how it sounds. How about now? Did that come through better? Okay, good. <laughs> um. So I'd like to start today um, by singing to you um, a practice song, a chant. It's called a nourishing happiness. It's one of the chants in our Plum Village tradition that uh, is you know, it acknowledges that we suffer, but pretty much it wants to celebrate the path of practice. Uh, some of the chants really uh, have us grapple with our afflictions a little bit. And this one is more of a celebratory one, nourishing our happiness. Sitting here in this moment, protected by the Sangha, my happiness is clear and alive. What a great fortune to have been born a human. To encounter the Dharma, to be in harmony with others, and to water the mind of love in this beautiful garden of practice. The energy of the Sangha and the mindfulness training protect and help me not make mistakes 
or be swept along in darkness by unwholesome sea. With kind spiritual friend, I am on a path of goodness, illumined by the light of Buddha. And Bodhisattvas Although the seeds of suffering Are still in me In the form of afflictions and habit energy Mindfulness is also there, helping me to touch what is most wonderful within and around me. I can still enjoy mindfulness of the six senses. My eyes look peacefully upon a clear blue sky. My ears listen with wonder to the songs of birds. My nose smells the rich scent of sandalwood. My tongue tastes the nectar of the Dharma. My posture is upright stable and relaxed my mind is one with my body if there were not a world honored one if there were not a wonderful dharma if there were not a harmonious sangha I would not be so fortunate to enjoy this time of happiness today. I really need those words. It helps me a lot to drop in. I want to share with you um, a happiness which is connected to that chant for me. Uh, I have a, a dear friend and community member here at Morning Sun who's been helping me this whole time with the technological parts of our uh, interaction. Uh, he's sitting across from me, and it's been a great um, source of support and happiness for me to have him here, Joaquin. Um, and as well, uh, a number of the Morning Sun community are sitting with us today. They're right outside this little cottage that we're in, sitting in the sunshine around a, a, a speaker. <laughs> um, 
for safe distancing, we can't all crowd into this little hut. And so we're, they're seated outside in the midst of a, a short day of mindfulness that we normally have together on Sundays here. Um, I invited them to sit with us all today. I hope that's okay. Um, mm. Uh, yesterday, I shared with uh, us all a, um, a document. Uh, it's just a brief summary of the 16 breathings that are taught by the Buddha in the Full Awareness of Breathing teachings. Um, I just say that in case there's anyone here who wasn't on yesterday. Uh, and it looks like Nicole is sharing it out again. So in case you want to reference that, it's there. That's wonderful. Thank you, Nicole. Mm. I've been working all year with this teaching in my sitting meditations and going back and renewing my practice of conscious breathing. Of course, when I first started to practice with Thai, with Thich Nhat Hanh, um, that's the foundation of so many of the practices in, in his teaching and in, in the community. And so I've been doing it all along, but I, I wanted to really go in and take a fresh look and revitalize that practice, renew it for myself. And, um, and thus it's become sort of the, the heart of what I've been uh, wanting to offer in moments like this to, to others. Um, At the end of this uh, talk, I'll also share with you another document which summarizes all the little exercises I've been sharing during these three talks. Um, when we started, I was sharing about um, practices for calming and for nourishing. And if you remember the breathing in, I'm aware of my body. I'm breathing out, I relax my body, I release tension in my body. I'm breathing in, I'm aware of the activity in my mind, perhaps agitation, perhaps just wandering. And breathing out, I invite that activity to calm, to rest. Um, there's a foundation practices there, both grounded in the body and in the, the mind. And then I also shared about as we begin to practice, there is a, a joy that can arise. Uh, and actually, I would say it will arise. It, it needs to be there. If it's not there, then we're probably not really practicing that full practice, not really relaxing and letting go in the body, not really meeting ourselves with that kind of awareness in our mind. Because it's the moment when we engage like that with ourselves in body and mind, there's a joy that arises. The joy of leaving restlessness, of leaving stress, of leaving worry, of leaving agitation behind, of letting go of tension, of letting go of, of uh, the busyness and the confusion and the anxiety. So that third breathing that I was sharing was to be aware of that joy and to go deeper and deeper with each breath to, to find our senses in the present moment, eyes seeing, 
ears hearing, nose and tongue smelling and tasting, the body feeling the warmth, the movements, the contacts, and entering into present moment awareness and finding the, the simple pleasure of being alive in that moment. Breathing in, I'm aware of enjoyment. Breathing out, I'm experiencing joy. And if we continue to really release and let go, breath after breath, that joy settles down and grows deeper. And we can call that uh, the word happiness, as we really connect with what is truly happening in us and around us. And that, that happiness has a quality of contentment, of ease. It has a sense of fulfillment and connection with all of life. And so we breathe in aware of happiness and breathe out experiencing happiness. And these are these foundation skills that we learn and capacities that we grow uh, with the base of conscious breathing. And yesterday I shared uh, about some heart-centered practices. And uh, really dwelling in the realm of feeling and experiencing our mind in the realm of feeling, experience our body in the realm of feeling. If you recall, I, I guided us on a sixth sense meditation where we went from eyes to ears to nose to tongue and the body. And each time we were aware of our eyes, really dwelling with our eyes and, and, and seeing, the experience of seeing, we also would note that the mind was right there, <laughs> ready to take a hold of that sense impression of seeing and digest it, interpret it, label it, identify it, right? As we might say, oh, there's a shadow, there's a color. And we saw that the mind is active right behind the eyes, but we would still then bring our attention to the eyes uh, and let the just seeing happen. And then the ears and nose and tongue and body. And after we'd really gone back and forth between recognizing the direct sense perception and then the interpretation of the sense perception by the mind, then we would go to the mind. And we went inward to the mind. And in the mind, we, we gladden it, we brighten it, we turn it in a beautiful, wholesome, virtuous direction. And in that meditation, we used metta, may all beings everywhere be well. As the, as the gladdening thought, as the, as the brightening thought to find the virtue. And this is a way of working with the activity of the mind in order to bring it down, calm it down, and turn it towards a beautiful direction. And this is a very important practice to learn to brighten and gladden our mind. Otherwise, the habit energy takes over, and all we do is see suffering, process suffering, look for suffering. Yeah. And that's a very difficult place to be. Mm. The other half of that practice that I shared about yesterday was being present with 
um, the suffering in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, in our world, but doing it from the place of feeling. So not discussing and rehearsing and repeating the stories of suffering, not agitating them, but just acknowledging they're there and, and learning to be with those feelings. Right? It's like to be okay with not being okay. <laughs> right? The hurt, the pain that's there, the confusion, the sadness, it's, it's there. But we're not running around in it. We're just present holding it, allowing it to be there, recognizing that it is a part of our world, a part of our personal experience, and, and that we also have the capacity to embrace it. And we worked on that practice a little bit. These feeling heart-centered meditations, they help us to stop playing the role of a victim. When we are in the role of a victim, someone else is perpetrating a suffering on us or something else or some situation, and our power is given away. But when we can come home and take care of the suffering that arises in our own hearts rather than trying to figure it out outside only. Right? We can do that too, but really taking care of the seeds of suffering that are arising up from inside our, 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 our life story, our body and our mind, our habit energies, the transmission of our ancestors, as they rise up, we take a hold of them, we meet them, we work with them, and we become a participant and not a victim. So we don't experience when we're practicing that we're being dragged around by life, that we're being oppressed and overwhelmed by a, a difficult situation. Instead, we experience that we are a part of it and we can contribute and we can work to understand and transform. But for me, that has, uh, is not a mental process. I have to use my mind to help me get into my heart. Um, not like a, a wildly emotional heart space, but a, a deep, calm feeling space inside. Like I imagine Avalokiteshvara and her capacity to listen deeply to every, every situation, to every one and every situation in the world. Right? She's not like in a super, you know, bubbly emotional space when she's doing that. She's wide, open, clear, solid, beautifully present. And as we do that heart-centered practice with our emotional life, we create a healthy soil in which understanding can grow. Uh, we calm the agitation in the mind, we get out of the head, into the heart, and we establish a true connection with what's there. And by doing so, we can understand more clearly what's actually going on. The Buddha always taught us to look for um, the roots or the sources of the suffering when we're, when we're doing that. We enter into that deep connection with the, the suffering inside, with the pain inside, and we speak to it. How are you? I'm hurting. Okay. Is there anything I can do? Could you tell me where you come from so I understand you better? Right? So that we can go forward in a more beautiful way. 
And in that kind of a relationship, listening and communicating deeply with ourselves inwardly, um, we are both gladdening our mind, our consciousness, and developing this understanding which can take us forward. The Anapanasati teachings, the full awareness of breathing teachings, they give a very clear pathway for practicing um, meditative contemplation. It's extremely clear. Step by step by step by step. Um, insofar as Buddhist meditation intends, the intention of Buddhist meditation, other meditation techniques might not be intending to go in the same direction. Um, but as far as Buddhist meditation techniques, the transformation of suffering, the, the uh, liberation of ourselves from, from suffering, uh, these teachings lay out a very clear step-by-step -step path. Uh, this is where it all comes together, the deep looking, where we build on the foundation of all the previous exercises, um, where we begin to open up the door to true peace and liberation from the suffering. Uh, so if you remember uh, yesterday and the day before, I, I touched on just a little bit. I, was, I didn't want to dive in because it's just so far to go. Um, but I can't not mention, right, that there's underneath this suffering, there's these deep habit energies, these deep tracks that we're caught in and that we're, are just carrying us along in our life. You know? Some of them are things that we have a power to actually transform. Some are we have to transform our relationship to them because we're not going to be able to change uh, the, the whole story. These deep habit energies, some of them are very painful. And as we begin to enter into a feeling relationship with that pain, and we ask, we inquire, where do you come from? We begin to see the roots, the sources of the pain. I know this sounds very exciting and that you all want to do this. <laughs> but we're not going to start with a deep habit energy um, today. We're going to start with an apple. So here's an apple. If you'd like, if you know that you have an apple nearby, I will wait like 30 seconds and <laughs> can jump up or call to someone across the house to go get me an apple. If you'd like to have an apple, otherwise you can look at this apple. It's a beautiful apple. See? Yeah. And it's it's getting closer to lunchtime, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. I see a couple of people got up to go get apples, so I'm, I'm gonna wait a moment.
Tutaj dzień. Look at all those apples. So <laughs> when we are going to do a deep looking meditation, it's very helpful to have a close relationship to the object of our meditation. And that's why I wanted to take an apple and invite you to take the time to find an apple. But we all know something about an apple from our experience of apples. So you can also draw from your memory. And in the case of a deep looking into some sort of affliction inside of us, right? Um, it's not like we're gonna be able to take it out and put it on the table and look at it. It's inside already. So we are going in to, to take a look at it. But here, we're going to look at the apple to do the exercises of deep looking that come in the Anapanasati Sutra. This apple is beautiful. It's kind of shiny. And that shine is not from like wax. This is an organic apple. It's, it smells delicious. Brings up memory of crispiness and sweetness. Mm. Now it's becoming the object of my desire. All right, that's part of this meditation. It's beautiful, round, crispy, and sweet. And I know you're a couple hours behind us there. It's, you know, half past 10. For us, it's, it's lunchtime. It's 12.30 now, about. Mm. So when you acknowledge that this is the object of the meditation, that's the first thing you have to do is really be there with it. There you are. So find your breathing. Find your body. And bring your awareness, your mind, to the object of meditation, the apple. And we look into the apple first with eyes of impermanence. We look in the apple and we can see the sun, the wind, the rain and the soil. They have transformed themselves to nourish the tree. And all those elements and the tree and its life force have transformed themselves to form the shape of the apple, to manifest the apple. And the farmer, with sweat, with tears, with joy, with pain, all those things transform themselves into the apple. We see how one thing transforms into another to become this apple. And as I breathe in those thoughts, feelings, sun, wind, rain, soil, farmer, all in the apple, I'm aware and I observe in myself the desire to consume the apple is dissipating. The desire to satiate my craving is fading.
and I allow it to be replaced with a sense of ease, appreciation, with reverence and wonder. Looking into the impermanence of things insofar as the apple, I see the fading, the dissolution of my craving. And I feel the ease and appreciation and wonder. And I breathe these things into my heart, into my body, into the apple. And now I will look a little more deeply. I will look deeply into the non-separate self nature of the apple. How the sun and the wind and the rain and the soil, how they actually are the tree. The tree cannot be without them. They continue in the tree. And I dissolve in my mind the separation between sun, wind, rain, and the tree. And I breathe to feel how the tree is the apple. The apple cannot be without the tree and all its life energies and all the elements of the cosmos inside of it. The farmer and the apple, the tree, they are not separate from one another in the apple. The apple is not separate from any of them. And I breathe to open my heart and feel the no beginning and the no end of this apple. As I look deeply into the apple like this, I practice the energy of letting go. And with my whole being, I breathe, letting go through all the cells of my being. And I release any holding, any attachment, any discrimination, any grasping, craving, or neediness into that connection, into that liberation. And looking at this apple, this wonder of the cosmos, and experiencing the no beginning, no end, no birth, no death nature of the apple. I can smile. I can smile with real freedom, with equanimity and peace. You can close your eyes and find the apple now a continuation of the wonders of the universe in your own heart. How the apple can illuminate no birth, no death, no beginning, no end. The realization of continuation and transformation in your own heart and mind. and the spaciousness and the ease 
the non-craving, the non-desire that now fill us up. Thank you, dear Apple. Now you can eat your apple. While you eat your apple, contemplate who is eating who. It's very different. I see some, some people partaking of that apple. It's very different now, isn't it? When the apple is not an object of craving, is not part of our attachment or our discriminating mind, when we are free inside and we taste the apple, the wonder of the universe, it's very different. Mm. So for me, there are, there are two breathings in that whole exercise. The first one is about impermanence. Breathing in, I contemplate the impermanence of the object of my meditation. In the case of the apple, it's the apple. Breathing in, I contemplate the impermanence of the apple. And breathing out, I witness the fading of desire, attachment, expectation, obligation. Breathing in, contemplating impermanence. Breathing out, the fading of desire. Those are the 13th and the 14th breathings that the Buddha taught. While we are contemplating impermanence, we might still be caught in the idea of separation. We might still see the sun there and the apple here. And although we can acknowledge that the sun transforms itself into the apple, right? There's a transformation there, there's impermanence happening. We still caught in the, in the separation of the sun and the apple. And so the Buddha offered the two more breaths. Breathing in, I contemplate the boundlessness, the no beginning, no end, nature of the object of my meditation. Breathing in, I contemplate the boundlessness. And breathing out, I experience letting go into freedom. It's the same as letting go of my fear or letting go of my ideas and my attachments. I open my heart. I bring my body, my heart, my mind all together is not an intellectual exercise. And that's why breath has to be the base. It's the breath is that middle place where the body and the mind holds it all together. Breathing in, I contemplate the boundlessness of the apple. Breathing out, I let go of all my ideas about it. I let go into true connection and freedom. 
ease and liberation from grasping and attachment. So there are these two pairs of breathings, the 13th and 14th, which can go together very well, and the 15th and the 16th, which can go together very well. And in the 15th and 16th, we really have to let go. You have to do that work in your heart of opening and seeing inside you, seeing in front of you, seeing the reality with your, your heart's eyes of the non-separation, the not separate self nature of the object of your meditation. That's the structure of deep looking that the Buddha offered to help us uh, be liberated from this uh, suffering of grasping and attachment, fear and confusion. We can use this structure of deep looking to, to lessen and alleviate suffering in all areas of our life. So um, it's nice to practice with an apple or with a flower or something like that to rehearse, to get used to the patterns a little bit and to begin to kind of feel them inside. Because once you start doing it with real sort of daily life stuff, it's easy to get distracted by the habit energies which come up, right? So we practice, we practice where it's easy at first. And then we can slowly begin to take on uh, those places where we tend to get more agitated, more carried away. So sticking with the, the structure of these teachings, body, feelings, mind, right? The, the fourth set, the deep looking exercises are to be applied to all these different layers. And it's not like, it's not necessarily a chronological order. First do this, then that, then this. It, it, they all have to happen together ultimately. And so when we're doing the deep looking, we are in our bodies and we are feeling and we are thinking, right? Um, we can use these exercises to help us to live at peace with our bodies, in our bodies. So many of us are not really comfortable in our bodies, not fully. There are expectations that we carry about appearances, anxiety about the way we look, tremendous suffering about capacity, performance, right? that our body should be able to do this or that, should be able to accomplish X, Y, and Z. We suffer a lot with health, especially when there's disease in our body. Aging, aging brings us all up, doesn't it? So we can use these kind of contemplations to help us not suffer so much from the expectations, the, the, the anxiety, the, the, the suffering that we have in relationship to our bodies. Um, a wonderful tool um, for, for doing that, like a structure for looking deeply with impermanence and no beginning, no end in the body is to use the four elements of earth, water, air, and fire. Look into your body and find earth, find water, find air, find fire, warmth, 
And as you connect through those things, the breathing in through earth, in the body and awareness of that, right? you see that the earth is constantly coming from around us in the earth, into our own body and shaping the earth in our body. And so the water and so the air and so the warmth, our body is constantly changing. And the elements of the body are continuously forming new cells and releasing them. There's a process of transformation, impermanence within me all the time. And as I breathe, I invite myself to relax into that process, into those changes. I feel a sense of spaciousness and connection because I'm also, right, as I look more deeply, that's not just the earth, my earth, an earth in me, but it's the earth of the, the wide earth, the planet around me. The water that is in me is also the water in the atmosphere, in the streams, in the snow. The air, we are breathing that together. Who knows, maybe the winds in Montana will be here in New Hampshire shortly, and we'll, we'll be breathing your out-breath. Um, so when we look in this way, into our own body, it makes it easier to open up to the transformation, to the process of, of becoming and decay, of, of growing, of aging. And we can release attachments and ideas and expectations about how it's supposed to be, how it's supposed to look, how it's supposed to function and operate, and instead grow into the wonder of what it is in this moment. Our, our body, regardless of its capacity, its appearance, its age, its health, its disease, regardless of any of those things, it is a miracle. It's a profound wonder. And we can drop into that sense of connection and belonging with the whole cosmos through a contemplation of our body and release a lot of judgment and criticism and sense of failure and suffering. Just to manifest for one breath on this earth is already marvelous. We can use these meditations to nourish stability and love in our hearts, to take care of strong emotions and habit energies, our afflictions. There's different layers to our emotional life. And some of our emotional life is really just a function of the way that we treat ourselves and what we consume day in and day out media, food, conversation, right? The news and which news, right? Some of our emotional life is just a function of that. And by looking deeply into sense impressions, how we gather the world into us through our senses and how we spend our time doing that, by looking deeply in that way, uh, we can gain an understanding of how to take care of our hearts and minds. We might see that the, the way we've been spending our time lately is actually really agitating us deeply and touching deeper layers of suffering in our consciousness. 
and it appears as though the world is in a rough shape and we're suffering because of it. But the reality is we're in control of what we take in. We are making those decisions of what we expose ourselves to. Some of those we can change day to day. Others take weeks, some months, some years. But those parameters, that's up to us, right? That world we live in, we are helping to create that. So it doesn't help us to pour it out and blame it on the world, but to step back. I noticed recently, because my practice has been quite regular with sitting meditation every day, that when I watched a film with my son, it's not a very Dharma film. <laughs> it's a film that a 15 year old boy really wanted to see. Right? And I watched that film with him. I saw for four or five days afterwards, because I was regular in my sitting and stopping and checking in, I could see the effect of that film playing itself out and agitating me and making me think in certain ways and react, even in my body, react in certain ways. And you know, in the movies, our bodies can do kind of superhuman things. And so I, I really felt these things, these energies erupting in me because of the food I had taken in. Prior to that, I wasn't having that experience of instability and agitation. Immediately after I was having it, and it took four or five days to calm it down, right? So similarly, that was a, you know, a, a modern action movie, right? So similarly, um, media in terms of news, even if your heart is wide open and you're concerned about the world and all the people suffering from COVID-19, if you soak it in all day long, you're going to be so freaked out. <laughs> One way or another, you're going to be very agitated because our consciousness can't take all that uh, difficulty all the time. So this is looking with eyes of impermanence. We see, we acknowledge that my mind and my heart are made of the sense impressions that are coming in. And I have a great amount of control and power over that space. I can choose what I take in and what I will decide not to receive. And thus to maintain that love and that stability inside myself. Then there are the deeper layers, the deeper layers of suffering in our hearts and minds, where we have been under the influence of our society all these years. And we can see when we look deeply that the way that we think, the way that we feel is conditioned a lot by the education we had, by the culture of our family, by the friends that we've chosen to be with. All these social influences and all this formative work in, in actually deciding what we're going to learn and how we're going to spend our time with work and with education. All of that is a part of what we experience in our emotional life and it's formed deep tracks inside us. Identities that we just follow. 
And when we look with eyes of interbeing, we can slowly open our hearts to new possibilities and release suffering that's taken place there in that lifetime of social influence and, and education. Release that, open that to become a more open heart, a more understanding and capable listener. Mm. These are the ways that we can use these teachings. I think one of the areas that's most meaningful for many of us is how we can use this kind of deep looking to help heal and clarify our relationships with other people. How we can find space and strength and insight and forgiveness in our relationships with others. How I can see that I am the continuation of my parents and my grandparents. And as I breathe those words into my body, breathing in, I see my parents and my grandparents and my ancestors within me. Breathing out, I open myself. I am the continuation of my parents, my grandparents, my ancestors. As I see the transmission and the inheritance of all the happiness and sorrow of many generations, then I have this space inside where I can say, wow, this burden I've been feeling doesn't really belong to me. This burden I'm feeling, it's a story of my family. It's a story of my culture. It's a story of my people. And that spaciousness is freedom, right? And can provide me with insights as to how to transform that path going forward. And my ancestors will be very happy when they see me hold their suffering and turn it into peaceful steps into deep listening, into a new understanding and love. Mm -hmm. And I can do the same by looking into my loved ones. And when I see that they too are the continuation of suffering and joy in parents, in grandparents, in a whole stream of ancestors, I see them as a miracle as a manifestation of so many amazing things, some of them very hard and challenging, then my heart can open with compassion. My heart can open with space and forgiveness. And again, these are not ideas. This practice doesn't work if you just treat it as a, as a conceptual thing. We have to breathe it, feel it, become it. And that's why it's laid out so clear, breathing in. I contemplate the impermanence of my dear friend, my loved one. Breathing out, I witness the fading of my attachment, my blaming, my anger, my sadness. Breathing in, I contemplate how they are the continuation of parents, ancestors, breathing out. I release my resentment. I release my fear. 
And of course, these practices help us with the big life transitions, like when we really get sick. Like when our loved ones pass away. Like when a relationship which was so important for so many years breaks apart. My mother would say that the four hardest experiences a human being can have, that's the kind of mom I have, moving, like from one, moving your home from one location to another, divorce, or the breaking up of a very important relationship, growing old, and losing a loved one. It's very interesting. She doesn't think of herself as a Buddhist at all, but it's very close, right, to the core teachings of Buddhism. These life transition moments, they can fill us with a lot of anxiety and fear or a sense of loss and sadness, which is sort of incomprehensible. It's too much to hold. During this um, recent time with the uh, spreading of the COVID-19 virus, I did some contemplation on life transitions and I did them in, in the sense of the future. So I looked forward to bring up what was going on, where my attachment, where my fear is. And so I could have a more active relationship with it. And I, I woke up one morning and I decided to contemplate my daughter uh, in the hospital on a respirator and me not being able to go visit her. And this may be a situation that some of you have found yourselves in where you weren't contemplating it only. I was imagining it in order to see what would happen in my consciousness. In order to face my anxiety and my fear and to hopefully move forward with more space and freedom and no regrets, instead uh, full awareness of the beauty and the wonder that's there and just to nourish that. When I did that, those thoughts were really hard to hold for me, to imagine myself not being able to comfort her. So this is an imagination and I'm just having that thought and it makes me wanna cry, right? She's fine right now. She's not far away, probably playing with some moss and trees outside the house or something. I don't know, she's doing really well. But when I imagine this thought, I start to experience a really deep pain in my heart. And I just want to share that because it illuminates for me how important our thinking is and the way that we construct our thoughts really carry us each day through the experiences we're having. 
so little of what we're experiencing day to day with these deep feelings is the cause of outside environment or other people. So much of it is the way that we construct our, our reality. And again, it will be so lovely if we can someday bring our reality into alignment with reality itself so that our inner reality is actually in accord with the reality of the world. When I think those thoughts, I'm not. I'm in an imagination. But it helps me to get in touch with the seeds of anxiety and fear in me. And if you have a real situation in your life with yourself or with a loved one where there is a big life transition happening, this kind of contemplation can help so much. Because instead of thinking, oh, woe is me, this will be terrible, which is the kind of thought that I was experimenting with, instead of thinking that thought, you're practicing to look deeply with eyes of impermanence, transformation and continuation, no beginning, no end, to look deeply with those eyes into your loved one or into the illness or into the family or the situation, right, into yourself. To see how we are a transformation and continuation of our society, of our upbringing, of our ancestors, of our planet, in body and mind, to enter deeply in that contemplation of impermanence and no beginning, no end. I really breathe in and out that I am the continuation of all these things, that my daughter is the continuation of all these things. I can release my grasping because I can begin to touch the true wonder and beauty that is already present there, that was present before she manifested that's present as she manifests, that's present when she's no longer visible to my eyes. You gotta go deep, but when you go deep, the anxiety and the fear dissipate. Those kind of thoughts don't cause the suffering. They don't cause the anxiety to arise. They bring about a deeper sense of home, love, reverence for life. And in those moments, I feel free. I feel free of suffering and I feel full of that reverence and that capacity to share my love and my compassion. I transform my anxiety into that energy of compassion.
I just shared a link to this summary of the meditations that I've been sharing the last couple of days and today. When we contemplate impermanence within each exercise, we can go through a couple of layers, a few layers. First, we start with an intellectual idea, a concept. We identify and conceptualize the elements of the impermanence. Then we breathe to feel them. We let the thoughts take shape in feeling. And as we do that, we allow the fading and the lessening of the energy of craving, of desire, of aversion, of discrimination. Then we can rest with that awareness to really take in the new appreciation and the wonder and breathe that energy back into our cells of our body to really come home with it. I put those notes on that sheet I just shared with you for impermanence. And I encourage you to take up something like the apple or to take up an affliction you feel in yourself or a loved one who you care for a relationship or your body. Pick up some object of meditation and look in that way into it. To exercise your capacity for using the eyes of interbeing and opening your heart in freedom and release of, of suffering. These tools really work. These practices really work. And they work best, of course, if we take up situations that are actually in our daily life. I also put the same sort of steps down for the no beginning, no end contemplation, where you start with an awareness of there's impermanence happening, but then you really go to the border between how the sun and the apple are interacting, right? Through the life of the tree, we, we go deeply into the non-separation between the sun, the tree, and the apple. We see the continuation of the giver and the receiver in the receiver. We see how there's a no beginning and no end nature between the sun and the apple. And if we eat the apple between the apple and ourselves, if you listen to the words of the Buddha between the Buddha and you, and if you share your compassion with a loved one between you and the one you have listened to or cared for, right, we look deeply and soften the boundaries there. We breathe and let go into that interbeing. We acknowledge the cessation the letting go of our fear and anxiety. And we smile in that peace and liberation and then bring that liberation back out into the cells of our body. Right? 
if we practice with the real situations in our life with our loved ones, then we're bringing this Dharma into the world. And our life on the cushion has real meaning the moment we stand up. We do this contemplation while we're sitting quietly, carefully, collected. We really connect. Then we turn it inside out. We bring it into our body and we move into the world with that. If we just leave it on the cushion and we go back to old patterns, it's okay, right? But let's really bring it out into the world, right? Bring our liberation, our happiness into the world. We have seen how the world doesn't just have to keep spinning on its wheels, right? We saw it as a result of a lot of fear in the last few months. The world comes to a standstill because of fear, right? But we see that it can slow down and we see the healing that arises immediately that's there. Slow down, come home, get in touch with what's there. Mother Earth, she's way ahead of us on this. You know all those reports we've seen about, well, the first time, the first time I noticed it was when I saw the, the two photographs of the Los Angeles skyline. Um, the one right before uh, everything stopped in February, early February sometime, and it's all smoggy. And then just a few weeks into this national shutdown, how clear that sky was, right? With the, the change in the traffic. Why is that? How is that? It's because a lot of people aren't driving, right? But it's also because Mother Earth, she knows how to do this meditation. <laughs> she knows how to heal, let go, and change and transform. She's resilient, right? And so taking that break to really come home, she goes to her, we gave her the chance to have a, a sitting meditation, right? And she sat down on her cushion and she said, oh, there's some space here. Let's see, I'm gonna embrace that and I'm gonna do what I need to do. And with all her interbeing elements, she transformed the sky. And the waterways are full of fish like they've never been in decades. And the seismologists can hear the natural patterns of rumblings in the earth that they haven't been able to hear for decades and decades because we slowed down, right? We don't have to go about doing things the way we normally do. We don't have to just keep running along and be a victim of society in the sense that we're just gonna do what everybody else does and keep going. We have a power to reshape our world, all of us in every moment. These practices and teachings help us to do that reshaping, that, that sculpting of our life and our world from a place of real peace and clarity inside. Not to come from fear, not to have to shut things down and stop because of fear, but to come home to ourselves with kindness and love and to open our hearts to understand deeply 
and transform with compassion going forward. Hmm. Hmm. I'm practicing the first breath breathing exercise to come into my body and relax my body and feel my breath in my body. And I'm gonna practice to open my senses first to my seat, feeling it and my ears listening and my eyes opening to sense light and the room and aware of the people and the trees around me and and now through this computer screen to remind me to reach out not through the screen but to reach out through my heart across the space of our lovely planet earth to feel you out in the mountains several thousand miles away and feel the joy of Sangha and the protection of Sangha and the nourishment of Sangha. Thank you, dear sisters and brothers from the Maha Sangha out there. Mm. I'm so happy to have this chance to practice together. I hope that many of you can continue and come together in Dharma sharing later this afternoon, uh, the open way Sangha has those groups set up. And in between now and then that you can feel the sunshine and the earth under your feet. I'm sorry, the sunshine on your cheek and the earth under your feet. And uh, smile to any wonderful manifestation of life that you meet. Enjoy some relaxation and food. And, mm, I really wanted to um, try something with you all. Do you know that song? I learned this song from you guys at Camp Child. The Keep Breathing song. Keep breathing, it's the most important part. Okay, so ever since like the first retreat that I did with y'all 14 years ago in Camp Child, and I brought that song back with me and I've taught it in a number of different places to different groups and here at Morning Sun we do it and they were doing it at the beginning of walking today at Morning Sun and it's a really fun song and it's that reminder of sitting and walking it's kind of like joyful zen right sit walk sit and um, but do it with a clap and a snap and a smile and when you start to do it in rounds right the syncopation of the rhythm is really interesting and sometimes it gets a really chaotic and i was imagining that could this would be just like a zoom call if we all went off mute and we tried to sing this song together it would be like maybe it'd work will you try it can we try it i'll start us off 
and then you just come in. You can unmute yourself now. And we're gonna just see what happens here. Zoom tends to go with the loudest person becomes like the, the, the sort of sound host. So we'll see what happens. We'll just go through it a couple of times. Try not to clap or slap too loud because that'll just peek out the microphone, but keep a little rhythm. It's gonna be like this. Keep breathing, it's the most important part. And then you walk, sit, sit, and then you walk. Breathing, it's the most important part. It's all in the rhythm, all in the rhythm, all in the rhythm of the heart. Breathing is the most important part. Sit, sit, and then you walk. Sit, sit, and then you walk. Breathing is the most important part. All in the rhythm. All in the rhythm. All in the rhythm. All in the rhythm. Here is. <laughs> oh, is Pe Peggy, do you want to close things, wrap things up? Maybe we can all mute again so so that there's not a lot of cross sounding. mute all you'll be muted. It's hosted and mute all. That's why you had to do that. So, dear friends, we can close with lots of gratitudes. Well, thank you, Michael, for all your time and energy you put into preparing and presenting your talks. Our time with you is precious. I want to thank everyone for joining these talks, sharing this space and creating this practice container together. Um, this weekend is precious. And we created, together, we created Retreat Magic. Yes. I'm looking here for my thank yous. I want to thank Joaquin for your quiet and attentive assistance to Michael and for all our Zoom functions. So thank you. I want to say gratitude to Nicole for preparing the retreat announcement. She had to put an awful lot of information into that without um, producing too much confusion for people. 
and she created and added some wonderful uh, practices to support our retreat experience. Uh, gratitude to Bob for working with me to plan discussion groups and to all three of us, Bob, Nicole, and me. Um, uh, we're the spring, spring retreat planning committee uh, and for winging it and pulling it off. Gratitude to our singers and chanters, Linda, Greg, Zan, and Steve, who will be singing later here. Uh, to Gina for offering a day of mindfulness yesterday. A big thank you to the Dharma Sharing Group leaders and the Zoom hosts, uh, all from Open Sky, Flowing Mountains, Open Way, Be Here Now. All of the sanghas are meeting by Zoom now, by the way, and uh, contact information can be found on the website, openway.org. And our fall retreat will be held September 24th to 27th, hopefully at Flathead Lake once again. Our Dharma discussion groups will resume today at one o'clock. And I would mention that the Fresh Forsythia group has room for more people. So you're welcome to join there if you haven't been uh, in a discussion group and would like to join today. So I'm going to read a meta meditation. And then um, Steve, Allison Bennell will sing, will lead us in Dear Friends. And then we'll have our closing chant. May the hearts of all beings be filled with happiness and peace, free from suffering and distress. May all beings be safe and secure, free from fear and harm. May all beings be healthy and prosperous, free from pain, illness, and lack. May all beings live joyfully and with ease, free from struggle and conflict. So as Steve is going to sing, Dear Friends, and we can join in on mute at home. I don't think we're going to try the, the trick we just did, but that was fun. Um, we do generally hold hands when we sing Dear Friends, and since we can't physically do that, you can take your hands and put them like this, and they connect around all our little squares. <laughs> So, Steve, dear friends. Well, thank you all. Um, dear friends, dear friends, let me tell you how I feel. 
You have given me such treasures. I love you so. Dear friends, dear friends, let me tell you how I feel. You have given me such treasures. I love you so. Dear friends, dear friends, let me tell you how I feel. You have given me such treasures. I love you so. Sharing the merit, may the merits of this practice benefit all beings and bring Thank you, everyone. I'll see you either in discussion groups or in the fall. Donna Peach. Already did it.